I don't know about you guys, but I, I personally love Christmas lights. Um, I don't put up a lot of them, but, but I love seeing everybody else put them up, okay? I love going around and seeing all the lights. And whether people realize it or not, when they're hanging Christmas lights, that tradition is actually an outward expression of biblical truth. It actually comes from passages like John chapter 8, verse 12. And Jesus spoke, saying to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The idea when you see Christmas lights around it actually has come from the tradition of, of believing that Jesus is the light of the world, and that's where that idea came from. And that's where the tradition of Christmas lights. So I just invite you, whenever you're driving around and you see Christmas lights displayed this week, take a moment and to praise Jesus for coming into the world and taking on flesh and being human and being the light of the world. So I invite you just to consider that as you're driving around this week. Now, you might be asking yourself uh, about this Advent series. It's a little bit different than most Advent series. We didn't use the Christmas story. We haven't been preaching from the Christmas text. We've been, we've been preaching from other passages. And what we've been trying to do is to talk about being people of the incarnation. Now, that might sound like kind of fancy words, might sound like kind of theological, but what we're really trying to talk about is that Jesus came incarnate, the word is. He came in the flesh. He took on human form. He was totally God, fully God, leaves heaven, takes on the human body and all the frailties that come with that, and lived among us, and was God incarnate in our midst so that we could see him and touch him and know him. All right, so that, the passages that we've picked are passages that are talking to us about what difference does it make that God came and is in the flesh and Jesus came and lived among us. That has an implication for us in how we live and what we believe. And so that's what we're trying to do with this series. And so as you look at this passage today, you're saying, 1 John 1, that's not a normal Advent passage. But this is the idea behind it. We're looking at a passage that talks about God coming in the flesh incarnate. And what does that mean for us? So today, we're going to wrestle with this question. Since Jesus is the light, what does it mean for his people to walk in the light? So if Jesus is the light of the world, we're to walk in that, this passage will talk about. What does that look like? All right? So that's where we're going, and that's kind of where we've been in the last few weeks. And so uh, I hope that that makes sense to you as we dive into this. Now, how we do it here, we just take a passage and we just go. We just dive into it, take a look at it, and at the end, I hope to pull it together in a way that will leave you with some things to walk away with that will be meaningful and impact your life, all right? So here's how it starts. John, in the very beginning, is just going to tell us why he's writing this passage, and he's going to talk about that Jesus is the light and the word of life. So that's the first four verses, and then it takes a shift and talks to us about how we should live. So here's what he says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, this is verse 1, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And this connects us all the way back. John will use this imagery in the gospel as well. So we're looking at 1 John, one of his letters, but he's known for the gospel of John, right? And in the Gospel of John, at the very beginning, he says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And what he's saying is that Jesus is from the very beginning, so he is God. He's trying to make this argument that Jesus is fully God. And, and, and that he not only was fully God, but then he's going to come and in the flesh. And here's what he's saying. I've seen him, I've looked upon him, I've touched him. We know 
the one who is the word of life. This is what, think about it here for a little bit. He's saying, I, I don't know if, if you've run into this, but sometimes we say, man, I saw it with my own eyes, right? You ever, you ever done that? So I can't deny it. Have your eyes ever been tricked? Well, my eyes can't see things sometimes, so that really gets me, you know, that tricks me. Have you ever seen that one picture that they put up? And if you look at it one way, it's this old lady. And if you look at it this one way, it's this young, this young woman. You seen that picture? Or what does an illusionist do? An illusionist tricks your eyes the whole time, right? Um, they're doing things that, oh, that looks like magic. It's not magic. It's tricking your eyes. So, so what happens is we get to a place sometimes where we think, you know, either I completely trust my one sense that I saw this and I could never be deceived, or we begin to think in our culture where people can manipulate all kinds of video and CGI and all that kind of stuff, we don't believe anything that our senses see. And what was happening in John's time was they were starting to say, there was a cult that was starting to say that Jesus didn't come in the flesh. He wasn't fleshly. He was a spirit that just came down from heaven, and he wasn't really a human being. And so John is trying to argue against that and make it clear. And here's an eyewitness. And the beautiful part of this book, he's the oldest eyewitness left. According to church tradition, all the disciples had died up to this point except for John. And listen to what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you guys, man, Jesus was standing right there, and I touched him, and, and, and I spoke to him, and he spoke back to me, and I saw him with my own eyes, and then I actually, I saw him on a cross, and I saw him die, and then I saw him after he was dead, and he came back to life, and not only did I see him, I touched him then, and I heard from him, we actually ate food together. He is not some sort of spiritual manifestation. He was fully God who came down and lived fully in the flesh. And John is giving this eyewitness perspective that I'm telling you from an eyewitness person that I touched him, I spoke to him, I saw him. This is the one that I'm talking to you about. With my own hands, my own eyes, my own ears. And he is the one concerning the word of life. Verse 2, he says, the life was made manifest, and we've seen it, and we've testified to it. Because it was made manifest, it came and was in our midst, and we saw it, and I'm telling you about it, and it's proclaiming to you eternal life, the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. He used that word twice, manifest. It was made known in our midst. The Father has manifest or revealed himself to us. He came himself in the flesh. In a form that we could see and hear and touch. That's what Christmas is all about. Is that God would come down into, the, into flesh so we could see and hear and touch him. And it says they are testifying that Jesus was eternally existent for all eternity past with the Father. The second part of this verse. And proclaim to you the eternal life. The one who has existed for all of eternity. All of eternity past, Jesus existed, and then he came in the flesh. And he's saying, we're testifying about him. And John tells us in John 17, he says, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus was speaking, and John recorded it, and John said, God, you loved me before the foundation of the world. Before it even existed, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit were in complete unity and fellowship before the world even came into, into being. And he's eternally existed manifest in the flesh 
And the word manifest, if you want to look for a definition, says clear and obvious to the eye or mind. Jesus was clear or obvious to the eye or mind. A display or a show. He came in a way that we could see him and touch him and know him. And John did that, and John was telling us about it. He says, verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you now. Now, here's the beauty of it. I've seen all this firsthand. I lived with him. I know him. Now I'm telling you about it. And then he even wrote it down so it could come to us 2,000 years later. He says, that which we have seen and we have heard, we're now proclaiming to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. I'm just going to take a quick moment to say at this point that um, this next stuff I'm going to share with you comes from a pastor's meeting where we gather each week and we talk about this sermon. And so I, I want to do that because this is a collaborative effort, this next little section. I come from an academic world, so I feel like I'm supposed to cite everything when I, it's not my original thought. But this was a thought of a group of guys as we were, we were wrestling with this passage and, and it's a beautiful experience when our preaching team gets together and we wrestle together. And here's some things that we came up with from this verse. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. There are two important truths about Jesus that are coming out of this little verse. First is that Jesus is the eternal word of God that existed from the beginning. He is God. This is so important. What we believe about who Jesus is is crucial, and he is God. But he came in the flesh, and we could touch him, and we saw him and heard him. He is a man, so he's fully God and fully man. But this is why this matters. This is why the incarnation, this Advent series matters. If Jesus were not God, then his sacrifice for us would not have been sufficient to pay the penalty for our sins. The death of a mere human, a finite man, could never be enough to pay for our sin. Jesus had to be fully God to pay for an infinite debt, the infinite debt of your sin and my sin. So that's why this is so important. He had to be fully God in order to be able to pay that price. But if Jesus wasn't fully man, he would never have been able to live life in our place. So not only was he the proper sacrifice, but he also had to come and live the human life the way it was intended to be lived, the way that God intended at the beginning for humans to live. And so he comes as God, comes as man, and now he's living out the perfect life in our place so that his righteous life is credited to us by faith. Now, if you've lost me up to this point, come on back because this is important. His righteous life and his deity, but his righteous life is credited to us by faith. His sacrificial death in our place as a man wouldn't have been able to pay our price, wouldn't have been able to do it. But because he lived perfectly and was a man and fully God, now he becomes the proper sacrifice for our sin. That's the short version of why the incarnation matters. There's a whole bunch more I could talk about, but there's more nuances to it all. But that's the crucial piece. That's why we're doing this series, because Jesus coming in the flesh matters deeply. And what we believe about that matters. So believing that he's fully God and that he's fully man is crucial, John is telling us. But the Apostle John is saying that if we don't believe these things about Jesus, if we don't believe them to be true, then we won't have fellowship with God, and we won't have fellowship with Jesus, and he says you won't have fellowship with us, John is saying. So to be a Christian, it matters what you believe about these things, about who Jesus is. 
And among other things, you have to believe that he is fully God and fully man. Those two things are crucial and important. And so he says, I'm writing all this to you. Now, why does this matter? John's saying, I'm writing all this to you to make my joy complete. Because if you don't believe this, my joy won't be complete. And we won't have fellowship with one another. So that's why John is saying this. And now he's going to start telling us about how this impacts our life. So that's what he's trying to get at. He's trying to help us see that God, incarnation, fully God, fully man. And then he says this. This is the message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and him there is no darkness at all. And listen to a couple other passages from John about this. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. This is John chapter 1, verse 9. John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and this life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can't overcome it. If you don't remember anything else today, I hope you remember that. The darkness cannot overcome the light of Jesus. The light of Jesus will always overcome all, of, all darkness. And what is the light, though? That's the question we have to just take a moment and ask ourselves. What is light? What does he mean when he says, when John is saying, the true light has come into the world, and Jesus is the light, and, and there's no darkness in him? This is what it means. Light means true knowledge or truth or, and moral purity and holiness. So the presence of God, this light that Jesus brings, is truth. And he's going to bring true knowledge about who God is and who we are. And then he's going to bring a vision and a picture of what moral purity and rightness looks like. What holiness looks like. All of this comes in Jesus. The light of the world brings truth and true knowledge. And the light of the world brings moral purity and holiness. So what are the implications of this? What, what is that? him coming in the flesh and this image being the light? This is what John says in verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, he says we lie and we do not practice the truth. If Jesus is light, those who have true fellowship with him will not walk in darkness. They will desire to walk in the light. They, the, they will look for ways to deal with the darkness and the sin in their lives in order to walk in a way that is true, in a way that is holy. So he's saying if we have fellowship with Jesus, we're not going to continue just to keep walking in the darkness because he's light. And wherever he goes, the darkness gets pushed back. And so if we do that, he says, we lie and we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, Jesus, listen to this beautiful picture. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I, I, I got to tell you, I always say I'm a preacher of good news because I can't give you better news than that today. Uh, your sin can be cleansed. And guess what? Not only is, does it give you a right relationship with God, it puts you into right fellowship with other people. You see, pe being people of the incarnation, what we're trying to do with this series is when I believe in who Jesus is, it impacts how I treat you and interact with you. It, it changes my relationships with other people. It changes how I see you and what I do and, and how I interact with you. But he's saying if we don't walk in the light, we're going to continue to do things the old way, the dark ways, the ways that hurt one another, the ways that don't build each other up and encourage each other. So if Jesus is light, those who have true fellowship are going to walk in the light, and they'll desire to seek to walk in the light. And, and what walking in the light is, we've been talking about, is correct belief, believing in who Jesus is, but also having him change us and help us to live in ways that are holy and morally pure. And this also then changes how we interact with one another. 
The beauty of all this, the beauty of the incarnation of Christ, is that it changes how you and I see the world. My son isn't here today, so I think I, I'm going to do this. I wasn't planning on doing this, but um, my youngest, Josh, many of you know, Josh is adopted. We were just celebrating his birthday on Friday, and we're just talking through some of that. And you know why we adopted Josh? Because of the incarnation. Because Jesus came down in the flesh, and we got to know who Jesus was, and knowing who Jesus was changed how we see the world around us and changed how we interact with things around us. And one of the things he tells us to do is to be concerned for the orphan and the widow. And guess what? An orphan came to our attention and an opportunity for us to enter into that relationship. It wasn't because we were good people. I'm not that good of a person. <laughs> it was because the gospel had changed me. Um, when we were first going to do this, we were going to do uh, um, foster care. And it was going to be probably short-term foster care. And Sherry came to me and was going to ask me if, uh, what I thought. And she thought for sure I was going to say no. To be honest with you. She thought, she thought I was going to say no. This baby had come to our attention through some, f some friends and was needing a, a, a short-term place to stay. Our youngest was eight at the time, and I had all kinds of other stuff going on in life. And I was like, oh, man, you know, I'm in ministry. I'm busy. I'm doing the work of the gospel. I don't need to take on something more. And she was shocked when I said yes. Why did I say yes? We had to battle with this a lot because a lot of people say, oh, you guys are such good people that you said yes. I was like, you know, that's really not <laughs> what happened. What happened was that the gospel had changed me. Now, I'm not saying everybody has to do this. I'm just sharing this as a, as a picture of the gospel changing us so that we look at things differently. And I wanted to do this because the gospel said this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, is to help in a situation that you are able to help with, and it's right there in front of you, and you get to make a choice what you're going to do with it. My point simply is trying to help to, to say when the light comes and transforms us, it changes how we fellowship with one another. And, and it goes on to say this. So if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus cleanses us. And then he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But this is what he says. If we confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, here, here's where this is going, you guys. The, the beauty of this now, the incarnation changing us so that we see our relationships differently, now when I wrestle with sin, not only am I supposed to go to God and say, God, forgive me for that, I'm supposed to have people around me that I can go to and say, I need some help. So my story about sharing with, with, with our relationship with Josh was simply just to say the gospel changes how we interact with one another, and now John says, hey, listen, when you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, but we're supposed to confess them to one another. We're supposed to be in a relationship with people so that we can come alongside each other and help each other. And I've got to tell you something. I've been at this for a long, long, long time. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of mess in the world. All right? There's a lot of mess. And there's a lot of hurt. And there's a lot of struggle. And guess what? There's a lot of sin. And we hurt other people with our sin. And we've been hurt by others with our sin. Some of you know I used to work in prison ministry. And 
uh, my boss used to say to the guys, he said, we're sinners who sinned against others and who've been sinned against. And that was so true for guys in prison. They would come to realize that they were sinners who had been sinned against, often with childhood trauma, and they were sinned against other people. We all do that. And here's the beauty, is that in the community of believers, we're supposed to be able to come alongside each other and go, I'm, I'm in a mess right now. I'm hurting right now. Or I'm struggling right now. Or I've got some sin in my life that are really, really making a mess. And we're supposed to be able to have a place, because of the incarnation, we're supposed to be able to have a place where we can do that. Where we can sit down with one another and say, listen, I've been really struggling here. Where we can sit down and hear things that we'd be like, whoa, I don't think I've ever heard that before. We can sit down and experience pain and struggle with one another and be able to be a safe place to say, this is the sin that I'm confessing to you because I need a partner. I need somebody that I can talk to in the flesh. You see, the beauty is that Jesus is there for us, but he's also giving us other people embodied in the flesh so that we can have other Jesuses around us, so to speak. Other people who can represent him and be there for us and be his hands and feet and ears. And the beauty, it tells us that if we confess our sin... He is faithful. Hear this good news this morning. Jesus is faithful. Jesus is just. He doesn't, as we've been going through the series, The Thread, we've been talking about the justice of, of God. He doesn't just ignore sin. He has to deal with it. It says he's faithful and just, and he will forgive us of our sins, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you all know my example of cleansing. If you've been around a little while, the, cleanser, the picture I always like to use is that spaghetti plate that one of my boys leaves out for like three days and it's getting all crusty and you can't get it off and you take that spaghetti sauce and you scrub it off and that plate is clean. That's just a simple little picture. Ours is so much more crusty, but he cleanses us. All your unrighteousness, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just, he will forgive us, and he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God does all that. And because Jesus came in the flesh, he can do all that, and he's given us a place to be able to get support and encouragement when we're going through things. Where we might be confessing to him, but we're not talking to other people, and we bear the burden, and we're not getting the help that we need from brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he tells us in verse 10, if we say we haven't sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Acknowledging that in the flesh, I'm a sinner, so I need the incarnate Christ to come to deal with my sin and to help me relate to others in a way that will help me, in a way that will help you. This is what Charles Spurgeon says, and man, I've been using a lot of Charles Spurgeon lately, but this is what he says about this verse. The text means just this, treat God truthfully and he will treat you truthfully. Make no pretenses before God, but lay bare your soul. Let him see it as it is, and then he will faithfully and just to forgive you your sins and, and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He's saying, God can handle it, just lay it all bare before him. And let him see it all, because he already knows it. But then find some brothers and sisters who can help you, and you can lay it bare before them, and they are not going to go, oh, forget you. They're going to go, we're coming alongside you because we've been there too. This is what the gospel does. This is what the incarnation does. Sin isn't something to, be, to hide from. Sin is something to bring to the light. 
Because Jesus is the light. And when the light shines, it drives back the darkness. So being people of the incarnation, you're thinking, man, Advent, a series on sin. This is good news. <laughs> this is good news that I don't have to bear this stuff alone. I can go to Jesus with it, and I can go to you with it. And I can find support and encouragement in our time of need. So let me pull this all together, and then I'm going to give you a couple applications, and then we're going to respond to it. Let me pull it together like this. The incarnation first, Jesus is fully God and came in the flesh and became fully man. That's important. He's the light. He's the truth and moral purity. That's who Jesus is, coming in the flesh to be the light of the world, to be truth and moral purity for us. He's walk, walking with the light, meaning Jesus, will result in walking or living as people of the light, living in truth and moral purity. If I'm going to walk with Jesus and he's the light, then I'm going to want to walk in truth and purity and holiness. When we walk in darkness, we impact our own soul, we impact our fellowship with God, and we impact each other. When I walk in darkness, it's not, it's not neutral. You all get impacted by it. So when we walk in darkness, we impact our own soul, our fellowship with God and with others. But when we acknowledge our sin and bring it to the light through confession to Jesus and to one another, our fellowship with Jesus and each other is, grows and is restored. It grows when I confess it. And finally, Jesus will cleanse us from our sin and all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. Let me say that again. All unrighteousness. So what do we do with this? You guys have hung in there really well with me today. It's a different passage, different passage for Advent. What do we do with this? First, I'm going to encourage you to spend some time this Christmas week just thanking Jesus for coming to earth in the flesh to be the light. Just praising him that he came incarnate, came in the flesh to be the light. Second, I'm going to invite you to spend some time examining your life this week. Christmas is a good time to examine what sin in my life do I need to confess to Jesus and to someone? What are some of the things in my life still that i got to confess to Jesus and maybe I, I need to be bringing that to, to some other brothers and sisters? Ask yourself, the other thing I want you to do this, this Christmas break is ask yourself, do you have the kind of fellowship or friendships in which you can confess your sin? Are there places for you to go? At Rock Hill, we say our city groups are a place like that. DNA groups are when we break them into groups of men and women from our city groups. Or it's just seeking out a friend. But do you have somebody in your life that you can go to and say, I'm struggling with this. I need to tell somebody. I've been talking to Jesus about it, but I need some flesh and blood right here to help me with it as well. And the last application I want to encourage you was, is when you walk in the light, you're going to have fellowship with Jesus and with others. So this is all about getting that stuff out of the way so that I can have a right relationship with the incarnate Jesus and right relationship with his people. And that's a beautiful picture. That's a beautiful picture of what Jesus does when he comes to the earth in the flesh. Now, right about now, you might be asking, but what happens when I do sin? What about when I do struggle in sin? Am I still in the light? That's a good question. I'm going to close us with this verse from 1 John chapter 2. So if you turn the page from 1 John chapter 1, we get 1 John chapter 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but that would be all of us. 
We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I just got to say, praise God this morning. Amen? Praise God. Because when anyone does sin, or you could put, when I do sin, I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus the Christ, who came in the flesh as the light of the world. He's the righteous one. He was the propitiation for our sins and for all who believe. Praise Jesus for coming to earth. Praise him for being incarnate in the flesh so he could be our advocate to be the light of the world. And when we do that, it will change our relationship with God as we walk in the light. It will change our relationships with one another. And it will all be for the glory of God and for our good. It's better for us, too.